And after one hell of a strange year for 2020, we've arrived at our final showbox hit. Last one for the year, my friend. Here we are. So, a bit different this year, as we know. It's been a strange one. It's been all over the place. We had to fill in a bit of a gap there once the pandemic hit, and then we got back into a bit of normality. We've done our season reviews as we went through the final series to get that out of the way. We've gone Origin the last few weeks, review, preview. And to finish off, finally our awards, which for some people may seem a distant memory now, considering the way the year's played out and everything we've had going on. But um, season awards, our format, as everyone knows, there's a bunch of categories. But our team of the year, which for the first time this year, the NRL finally sort of did, is pick a 1-13. to And then we generally pick our own bench, and that's just four guys in any positions that we want to pick who may have missed out on a position in our team yeah. in the first place, as well as those other categories. And uh, obviously we'll finish up with a bit of a review of the Origin Series, which we'll kick off with right now. I think it's pretty easy to sum up. Game three, in all honesty. Game one, um, reviewing three in the series itself. Game one, didn't feel like an Origin game to me. We led after being very, very scrappy, ill-disciplined and playing side to side and looking disjointed. Got rolled by Queensland. Second game, Munster gets KO'd early. Home crowd, full of plenty of energy. Played north-south, up and down the field. Broke the ruck up, got off the back foot and dominated that game. And game three, honestly, just felt like for 65, 70 minutes, Queensland just beat us from pillar to post. Just outdid them again in all the free things, the simple parts of the game. I thought they were much more aggressive. They got upfield. Their line speed was great. Everything they did had intent to hurt. We looked, in my opinion, New South Wales like we were playing a game of club football. Queensland came for a war. And they won that war for the majority of the game. And New South Wales finally got a little bit of a sniff at the back end, but it was too late. Yeah, it was too late. They, um, Queensland were on like a cheap suit the whole game. Yeah. Uh, they pushed the envelope, I thought. The refereeing was shit the whole series. But I thought the best team won the series. Simple as that. New South Wales, pick guys out of position, botch in the arse. You can't do it. Pick players in their positions. I, I thought when Jack Whiten went to 5-8 even for that last, whatever it was, seven minutes or whatever, we looked a better side because he was running and dangerous. And But it was too little too late. Yeah. This whole experiment and, you know, pick the play, pick the best players and put them in their positions, that's, that's not how it works. And to be honest, we're lucky to get away with what we did. Valentine Holmes bombed two or three on his pack. Yeah, alone on the should have been, we should have got beat by 20. Should have put it away. Uh, Catewell again, back into the second row, who had an absolutely outstanding series. Dan Gagai, another great game. Uh, wasn't the happiest of debuts probably for Corey Allen, but at the end, he's part of an Origin Series win. So yeah. um, even with his sin at the back end and a couple of errors, I'll tell you, it was epic. Uh, probably underrated in game two compared to the loss of Munster. Christian Welch's improvement in the last couple of years just gradually, but then to come off an ACL last year, which is his second or third from memory, and to have the year he did as a whole, he was massive for Melbourne at the back end of the season. He was. And then in Origin as well. Just, yeah, very, very underrated. I, in or- I really noticed it in Origin. But Cameron Munster, dear Lord, he was just... Going through. Was, somewhere else. Yeah. Absolutely somewhere else. Like, the old term, he's got spiders on him, like, dead set. He looked like a fucking Olympic skater. The bloke was just gliding around the joint, dancing, spinning, twisting, fending, blo- like, honestly, he was borderline Teflon. They couldn't put a hand on him. Yeah. He was incredible. And... Just the simple things, like some some of the kicks, even for himself or individual things, you look at and go, "Why are you doing that for?" And he just ends up with a football or mm-hmm. finds himself in space. He was just an absolute menace. And probably the one thing, two things hurt me in the last game. Number one, it really hurt me to see Harry Grant carve us to pieces, but it also brought me a bit of happiness that that's potentially the future of the Melbourne Storm. And again, 
things aren't exactly clear yet with Smith and Grant and what's happening moving forward and extending him. But I'd be bloody hopeful that we are extending him and he's going to be there long term because he was outstanding once he got on the field and really broke that game open. But the one that really hurt as the year went on in his development was watching Tino and then watching Tino grow during that series as well. Because I thought along with Papali, he was at the forefront of everything good with the Queensland forward pack along with Welch. Yeah. So he had another good game again. Papali was solid. Friend toiled and did his job until Harry Grant came on and he just took things to another level, pulled the ruck apart, got through for a couple of line breaks, scored one, set one up. Lindsay Collins, again, not the sharpest uh, and most skillful player you're ever going to see, but dear Lord, he tries hard. And they just get it. I know it's a statement or a throwaway line that people get the shits with and they hate it and so that Queensland understand it more, but there's just something different when we put our jerseys on. Again, I kind of got the vibe that we were like more like playing a club game. And we were just kind of there. At times, like they're there to bleed mm. for that jersey. It doesn't matter who they pick. Yeah, I think that's just an um, underdog mentality. And more often than not, they just assume it and believe it. It's a bit of a narrative, so... Yeah, and even... Uh, I, I don't read too much into that stuff. I just think we picked the wrong team. We played the wrong brand of footy. We didn't have a good strategy. We made a lot of errors. We didn't defend well. We also, the refereeing was ordinary. We couldn't find a momentum change either. Queensland were just unbelievable. Queensland took... When they took momentum, they didn't relinquish it. No, and they did that for, like you said, 65, 70 minutes of the game. The only yeah. sort of moment I felt we turned the tide from the back foot was when Nathan potted that 40-20. That was about the only time we come up with something. Well, that, that shows you how good he had to be to turn the tide. And that was another thing. Like, I saw a lot of people laying into Cody Walker. Cody Walker... Struggled to have an impact on the yeah. game. Well, they were happy in game two with how dominant Cleary was and how little Walker did yeah. when we won. Yeah. And then it was the same in game three, but we lost, so they wouldn't lay the boot. Plain and simple. You can't have an impact on a game when you can't get out of your own end. Yeah. Like, what do you want him to do from the back end of the half? Like, I know you probably want to see him have a carry or get himself involved, but we literally couldn't get out of our own half. Mm. It wasn't until that last bit of the game we had some sort of opportunity. In, in the end, I wouldn't have had him there. I wouldn't have played him to start with. I would have had one. You know, Jack. So, and they could have picked one. Crichton in the centres, which they never did. That's ridiculous. He's the best player in the game. So, Gutherson yeah. was embarrassing. Like he's, the fact that they persisted with him at centre, the way he defended, and the lack of impact he had in attack was terrible. It was plain for all to see. But it just there was a bit of arrogance. I've got to say from New South Wales. The I think they picked. just thought, well, yeah, we'll pick it, and that's what it is. Bad luck if you don't like it. And look, it's easy to be critical now, but I said this before game one, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold my ground here. And uh, I I thought our selections were poor, not in not in terms of talent, but we we pick players out of position. Well, the other one as well. Can't do it. I could understand not picking Papenhuis. And you didn't pick your form players. You, you've got to pick Papenhuis in, in the last game. Yeah, but I could. Crichton had to play the whole series. I would have played Lomax the whole series. Well, I said the same thing game one. If it was going to be one pick person, centers. If there was one person. I was happy for to play centre out of two of them. It would have been Jack a million times over Gutson, but minimum, Lomax should have got the right centre spot. And then if you're going to go the other way, like you said, and get Jack into 5-8 and get Crichton and Lomax, then I would have been happy with that as well, given the way they played this year. Um, Please. But like The other thing in the last game, you go with a 17, which won, which is fine, but you play Brown for 10 minutes and basically don't rotate him in, which in the end, you would have, if you're going to do that, you might as well have carried Pappenhausen. What was the point of carrying him if your plan was never to put him on? We needed a, a spark plug. We needed a change. We needed some point of difference. And instead, they dragged Jake for 80 minutes, who basically has zero impact in his normal role. 
just to toil away when we were already toiling and struggling and we couldn't get an impact or an offload or a quick play of the ball or a penalty. And then you gave Brown 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Like, what was the point? If you were going to have that as your, your your usage or what you had planned for him, you may as well have picked Pappenhausen. It would have made more sense than you could have at least thrown him at the back. He no doubt would have probably had a little more of an impact on the game, even off the back foot than what they got out of Gutherson. He's much more dangerous in all situations. Anyway, but It's going around in fucking circles. It was ridiculous. Uh, the series just didn't feel like an origin series. I'm glad next year it's going to be back, back to normal, in the middle yeah. of the, the year. Queensland totally deserved to win. We're outplayed Massively. and we shot ourselves in the foot. You, you can't win until you learn how not to lose. And New South Wales just found ways to lose the game both on the field and off the field. And Simply. the Tedesco thing's not an excuse either. Oh, if, it hurt. It, oh, it hurt. It hurt massively. Hurt. But if they pick the right side, I think they yeah. can cover for it. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And I still don't but mean it hurt. they deserve it, it, to it win. It hurt but... them. Like, you, you can't get away from... No. Like, his last year's... Um, but it hurt Queensland in game two. And a lot of yeah, people I get that. Monster, 100%. So. I'm not, I'm not, we're not talking about game two. We're no. talking about Pat, the, the Tedesco going off. That hurt. Munster going off in game two hurt, no doubt. But that's what happens in rugby league, so you need to be ready for it. Well, there's a couple of guys I think can definitely help. Queensland were ready for it. Queensland had a ready-made replacement in Hunt. He just played like poop. Yeah. We didn't have a ready-made replacement. We had to play Isaiah Yo, who's transitioned to a middle, in the centres. Yeah. When, like you said, you're going to play Brown for 10 minutes. Let's stop talking about it, because I'm starting to get cranky. (laughs) Well, I want to give a wrap to a few blokes uh, over the series. I think Angus Crichton... Yeah, I thought series. he was our best player, him thought, and Cleary. Take away Tupo's shit offload in game one. He had a great series as well. He tried hard, mm. good in yardage, finished well. Um, other guy, I think Nathan Barr, the bagging he copped in game one, I, I think overall he was, great. he was pretty good during the series, good. in all honesty. But I guess for next year, and it doesn't really matter until we get their injuries form and whatnot, but if Jack Whiten is in any sort of form like he was there, yeah, you just play those two as a pairing. Oh, it was an unpopular opinion. Not, not many people agree with me to play him at 5'8". If Crichton plays anything like he did this year... He, he was a Dallium 5'8 of the year. Dallium player of the year at 5'8". Yeah. And we play him in the centres. And it's we ridiculous. had the Dallium centre of the year. And we had... <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad everyone can see it now. And on the Queensland side of things, it just works out great. They get called the worst team by a couple of dumb journalists in 40 years. They debut... Honestly, how does Dean Ritchie still have a gig? No, who knows? If, like, not only did he say it once... He doubled He down. doubled down and said it again. Paul like, Gallen jumped in on it too, on game three. Why? Like, uh, you're just, that just searching for up. a headline. It really worked out well Have a them. smart opinion. That'd be good. Yeah. 14... That'd they, be rad. They blooded 14 players, and they won the series. Yeah. And they couldn't have had uh, a better coach for the situation. No, Short but we turnarounds... That. We knew that. No pressure. He threw a couple of jabs out there. He took took all the heat as he always does. Rolled those players through. And there's one thing I will say, and I said it during the year, why I totally stand by my opinion that he doesn't do a whole lot of coaching per se now, and that's more Dimitri on that. There's nobody better at spruiking and building a relationship with players and building them up than Wayne Bennett. And he did a fantastic job with a lot of those guys. They ran through a brick wall with him. Yeah. So... Full credit to them, but you can see the future. Harry Grant, Cameron Munster is appearing. That's going to be there for a while longer now. Tino's impact. Sewer, who wasn't used as much in the last game. Collins, all those guys getting blooded in, plus people that weren't available for the series coming back in next year. They've put themselves in a really good spot where most would have thought they you know, were looking like easy beats. So yeah, it's worked out really, really well on the Queensland side of things. And uh, for New South Wales, back to the drawing board. Got two in a row. Started to read our own press again and people were talking about a dynasty and uh, they got done. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, 
I couldn't make it any more simple than that. It was a weird series, but well-deserved by Queensland. Excellent win. Move on. Uh, there you go. Heard enough. Before we get stuck into our season awards for the year, we have to thank Penrith Soul Centre for the season uh, and the seasons prior and their ongoing support. And it is that time of the year, as you all know, it's getting hotter. So if you want to help yourself out and help your bills in your back pocket, make a long-term investment, there is no one better than the Penrith Solar Centre. So tackle your rising power bills head on with them. With the help of Solar Energy, the team at Penrith Solar are passionate about helping you send in rising electricity bills for good. Find out how they can help you and your family, the big winners, with quality solar solutions, www.penrithsolar.com.au or give them a call on 1800 30 to be the real winner today. Uh, team of the year, Boxhead. Yeah. Like I said, it's a bit of a weird time to do it when everything's done, but we generally like to let the finals play out because it actually is the whole season and give a bit of a bit picture, but you ready to kick things off? Yeah, let's do it. Fullback of the year, who you got? Uh, Pappenhausen. Mother Clive Churchill. Yeah. And same deal again. Um, Couldn't get an origin game, though. He was outstanding. His development after finishing the year off last year on a very, very good note. He was epic for Melbourne. That left-hand side, the way they lit up, his impact on games, his ability to break play open. I tell you, I don't think it's massively underrated about him. Just the toughness of the little bastard. Like, there's nothing of him. He gets pummeled every time he takes a dirty carry back. He just gets up. Mm. He's borderline made of rubber. But he gets smashed. He's built like a greyhound and he just does not care. He really does not care. Yeah. But the ball playing is getting better. The ball running we already know about. He sniffs around the ball and I didn't think anyone would ever be as busy as Billy Slater, but he's getting pretty damn close with the work when you watch him live as well. Yeah. He is a very impressive player. So we both agree on that. Uh, on the whole body of work for the season and the result that ended up in the grand final that Pappenhausen's our fullback of the year. What about your wing pairing for the year? I've got Daniel Tupo and David Nofaluma. I left that car out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought Tupo outplayed him in origin. I thought for the majority of the season, Tupo outplayed him. I know Melbourne won the comp, but yeah, Nofaluma, no-brainer. He was unbelievable. I've, best player for the West Tigers, and he's a winger. Yeah. Offloads, tackle breaks, one yeah. of the best set starters in the competition. Um, I've got Nofaluma as one of my wingers as well, and I did go out of car. The only reason I sort of left Tupo out for me, he missed a big chunk there with injury. During the regular season, I thought Adokar had probably two good games in Origin, but he's back end of the year for Melbourne um, after a bit of a slow start with all the noise. I thought he was he was outstanding, so that's my wing pairing. Who are your centres for your team? Crichton Stags, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I've definitely got Crichton. I could have easily gone all arm hmm. as the other centre. I definitely think Crichton, like you said, is a no-brainer. Uh, Stags for me. Has some outstanding games, but he's still got errors, penalties, the suspension, and obviously the ACL was a sour note, but I went alarm just on his improvement. Mm. Um, I can't really remember too many bad games. I think he had one week there where he, he got picked on a bit in defence because he tends to come in, but his development across the year, his yardage work, his tough carries, that left-hand side again for Melbourne, um, him and Adokar together, along with Pappenhausen and, and Munster. He was awesome. Yeah. He really was. Um, to think that 18 or so months ago, he's playing Queensland Cup, but no one's really even cited him or thought much about him to where he is right now. He's been, yeah, he's outstanding. And, you know, there's Lomax, Campbell Graham, there's a lot of guys that had good years, but, um, yeah, I thought Olam was excellent. Five out of the year is going to be a no-brainer. Yeah. It's Jack Whiten. Yeah. Uh, when you lose someone of Hodgson's ilk and, you know, people have got to step up, he had some games in the back end of the season where single-handedly he's the reason why they won. 
Yeah. It's not as simple as, oh, he was very, very good. It was straight up and down. Fucking Jack White is the reason Campbell won those games. His running game when he gets early ball, his ability to play square, beat a man one-on-one, inside, outside, his ball playing is getting better. The kicking improved somewhat. He still has a tendency every now and then on a long kick to maybe get a bit loose and put one five rows back into the grandstand. But the overall body of work for Jack White is only getting better. Um, and you add Hodgson back in next year, who hopefully realises now he doesn't have to overplay his hand, which is kind of my opinion at the start of the year, and realises that everyone around him can help, in particular Jack, and having Georgia now. They're a real threat, I think, with what they've done and developed this year with the injuries they had. Yeah, so, yeah. But Jack White, and rightfully so, five out of the year and half back of the year, no surprise. Uh, sorry, half back of the year, no surprise either. Nathan Cleary, I'm assuming. Yeah, easy. His improvement... Over the last couple of years, and the strings he's added to his bow, his patience, to me, he's still one of the best defensive halves in the competition. He's kicking games second to none, and it's not the things you see like with Jack where it's the running trial, the flashy play, or the hit, or whatever. He does everything in the background that you don't appreciate unless you really watch a game closely. No one pulls the strings. No one, to me, has more try involvements. No one's more calm. He just does all the little things and pulls the strings for that Penrith side. And to think that he's still only like 22 years old and the point he's at right now it's a hell of a trajectory to be on if he continues the way he is right now for the next decade or so mm. um, good signs for his career as a whole moving forward but he had an outstanding season despite the result obviously at the end with the grand final the Origin Series not being ideal we know how resilient the kid he is I've got no doubt he continues and bounces back again in 2021 yeah you will yeah. who are your props of the year? Uh, James Fisher-Harris and um, Big Paulo Junior Paulo Yep, all right. Well, I have the fish, but I've got Josh Papali. His season, along with Fisher-Harris, I thought was absolutely epic. Papali, another big reason. Canberra just flourished the way they did the back end of the season. Um, the offloads, the footwork, the old ankle tap on Jamal Fogarty is a bit of a highlight real one that I don't think we're ever going to stop seeing. And Fisher-Harris, pound for pound, just week in, week out, to me, is the toughest player in the NRL. The bloke's a psychopath. He yeah. just does not stop <laughs> moving forward. He's a scary, scary man. He's humble. He goes unsung in a lot of ways. He is an absolute weapon. One of the best forwards in the NRL. Yeah. Hooker of the year. Smith. Fair enough. I went Coruscant for the overall body of work, but understandably so. I think you can go either way. Uh, obviously, the Premiership went with... The Premiership went with Cameron Smith at the end of the day, but Coruscant's impact on the Penrith side and the way uh, things went there, along with Nathan and a couple other guys, he was awesome. Your two back rows. I uh, went Viliami, Kikau, and Angus Crichton. Yep. I got Kikau as well, and I did go with Tohu Harris, who Ugh. quite a start of the year, but I thought the back end and the way he had an impact on that Warriors side, I thought he was great. There was a lot of back rows. Crichton as well, I was big on, but he missed some time with that knee injury. Uh, I thought Madison had a great start of the year, but after the head knock, wasn't the same. So there was a couple of guys up there. Liam Martin had a good year. There was a few <laughs> others I could think of, but um, I just think, yeah, that back end of the season when he was healthy and good to go. Once he finally got stationed on an edge, he was epic for the Warriors. And really good player. And lock of the year, I'm assuming, is going to be a piece of cake for both of us. Yeah, I was a uh, easy. Yeah, there's no argument. Again, no. improvement. Finally played his rightful position, transition from the edge to the middle. Combination footwork skill, tip on his pass. Um, ability to get between defenders. Metas after the carry, offload, you name it. He ticked every single box. And I think uh, right now... That's uh, a jersey that I think he deserved to have earlier for Origin. But, yeah, again, if he plays that way next year, surely he finds himself in there. I think that would have been 
probably another move I would have made, but he was outstanding. Yeah. Without a doubt. And your four bench players are four of your choice. You didn't land in any of those spots. Who's your first one? Uh, Coruscant. Coruscant. My yeah. first one on the bench, Jerome Lua. His season overall, again, the impact he had, his development um, to keep Burton out after a bit of a rough start, I thought, and then finish the way he did. He was as important to Penrith as Nathan Cleary was. Yeah. And that red-hot left side. Your next one on the bench? Papali. Papali. I picked Harry Grant. I think probably the scarier part, again, is the impact he had at a club with all that noise going on, and he's going to play with much more talent when he gets back to Melbourne, as he did in the Queensland side. And we saw the impact he had in the half a game of origin he played. I absolutely shudder to think what he can do with Munster, Pappenhausen, Nelson Osofa-Solomona, and a couple of those guys at Melbourne when he gets back into that environment rather than being at the Tigers. He had a great year and a great impact on that yeah, side. Next one on your bench? Uh, Jerome Hughes. Fair enough. Particularly in the, the back end of the year when Cameron Munster was clearly carrying an injury. They needed him to step up, and I thought he was outstanding in big games. So I've rewarded him. I've put him in my team of the year. I don't think Melbourne win the comp without... Um, Hughes playing the way he did. Yep. Particularly in the prelim and the uh, the grand final, where Munster was back, but he was irrelevant. Munster Munster yeah. was irrelevant in the prelim and the grand final. Go back and watch him, watch those games. He did his job. That's about it. He didn't do anything. Well, yeah, um, special. No, he, particularly we... the grand final. I agree. Hughes was excellent. Biggest thing for Hughes, I think, from start to finish, was just his overall consistency. His, his kick, effort. His kicking game was much better than I thought. And pretty much what we talked about before, the things that Brody Croft couldn't do, stuck to his strength, which is his running game. And nine times out of ten, if he didn't run, he played short. He didn't overcomplicate things. And um, he was a valuable piece of what ended up being a premiership winning side. And he was top three on the park, in my opinion, yeah. in the grand final. When you go back and watch that closely, he had a great impact on that grand final. Yeah. Uh, my oh, third... There you go, mate. Sorry. No, no, you go. My third bench player, I don't know if it'd be controversial for some people, but I think the bar's been set so high. I've got James Tedesco still. Yeah, I just still think, again, he's had one of those years now, like a lot of people, where they just go, you know. But there's weeks there where he didn't even get a mention, and I watched the game, and he's got ten tackle breaks, two hundred and fifty meters, however many carries. I think his ball playing's improved. I honestly, just think it's got to that point where it's never going to be good enough how he plays. But I, I still think in a busted good side, who? missed a couple of games. Who are we uh, talking about? James Tedesco. No, but who, who are you talking about? Good enough for who? Oh, just for some people going, I don't think he's had as good enough yeah, year as last year. We've, we've seen it before. He's outstanding. Yeah, I know. But I'm just getting that. Like, we've had guys have a year like that, and it almost feels for some that they can never get back there. But I just, yeah, when, when he's healthy and he's playing and he's on, he's the best player in the competition. He did have a few hiccups, and he had a couple of head knocks this year, which obviously weren't great. And we obviously saw one in the Origin Series as well. But I still think uh, for that Rooster side and the long schedule and the extended season and getting in, to the back end of the year where they're all a bit flat, that he still had a hell of a year. Um, and I found it very hard to leave him out. Yeah. And the last player you've got on your bench. I went Harry Grant. Yeah, threw him in there. Self-explanatory. Uh, my last one was Cody Walker. Wasn't the greatest start of the year, as it wasn't for South in general, but when he caught fire second half of the season, he was the run really leading the charge there. He was both sides of the field. He was playing up the middle. He pushes his supports. The role at times for him... He's not even that of just a half. He's almost like a roving fullback, the commission he gives himself to play both sides of the field for South. And if he's not in that side and it's Reynolds and everybody, I just don't think they function without Cody Walker. I know that he can get the job done and he sparked up late in a couple of those finals games after not having the best start. And again, people might want to lay the boot in for at football, but if Cody Walker doesn't play for South Sydney, they're not in the prelim final. No. Um, and there's, you know, there's guys, again, you could 
chop change argue for some of those positions but I'm not really going to get into the depth on that but yeah that's my 17 for this year and yours so not too dissimilar I guess for the starting 13s but uh, bench one or two different and one or two the same yeah but it was an odd year there's no doubt about that but let's get into our other awards for the fifths for season 2020 your rep player of the year uh, Dane Gagai yep I had him or Munster kind of listed as the two I know Munster had the epic game in game three and he was okay in game one I thought he was better than Cherry Evans and didn't get man of the match but Dane Gagai across the three rep games you'd have to say probably chalked up the most consistent points across the three games he was great again when he puts on that jersey he's just something different so I agree with you there for rep player of the year your most improved player from the season uh, Justin Olam yep wouldn't disagree I went Isaiah Yo obviously gets the rep jersey but the move finally into the middle which I've been calling for for a couple of years was more fruitful than even I expected um, to me now he is really the one if he plays like that moving forward who should be pushing for that 13 jersey for New South Wales or being in rep football sides for the next couple of years at the peak of his powers hopefully if Penrith continue to go that way your rookie of the year for this season Steve Crichton Steve Crichton I went Harry Grant um, he had a game I think only won the year before but it was a hell of a class this year yeah Alicia Katoa Brad Mabest, Stephen Crichton, like you said, like you could keep going. This was a very, very good year for rookies. There's yeah, no doubt about that. But was, yeah. In particular, the impact of a few, uh, like for Crichton in your debut season, to be winning centre of the year, or Harry Grant going to the Tigers in that situation and winning rookie of the year in the actual NRL setup. Um, there were some really good players who were going to have a big impact on this competition for a long time to come, that's for sure. Your best interchange player, your super sub for this oh, season. Tino. I thought about it, but he was kind yeah, of in and out starting it. Yeah, but yeah. then I just think as the year went on, look at the impact he had in Origin. It was unbelievable. Mm. Um, he went from, you know, a bench to, I guess, sort of a starting role. So, um, yeah, no, I, I thought he developed really, really well. Uh, I could have gone a few of the Penrith boys. The two Penrith front rowers, Moses and Ted Ivano, were, were great as well. But um, No, I went with, I don't know, it might be a little bit left field, but... That's who I went with. No, I had a bit of a short list, and one again off the Melbourne bench is Brandon Smith, who I didn't end up going with. And I also had Rudolph from the Sharks, who I thought had a great year this year coming off the bench. And yeah. His workload, but I went with exactly one of the boys you just mentioned. I went with Moses Lauder. Yeah. I think a lot of front rollers, we talk about maintaining or changing things when he came on. By the back end of the season, again, when we went to those few games when it was there, people just stopped kicking to him. There was only once or twice they kicked to him. Yeah. When he came on... He's just a nutcase. Yeah, and you could easily go Tet as well because he was. Yep, he was good at the back end. But uh, I just Moses... the other one I had penciled in was um, Joseph Tarpany. Yeah, and similar deal I guess between starting and bench. But back end yeah. of the year when he started at lock, he was awesome. Yeah, I hope that form again carries into <laughs> next season and he realizes uh, what sort of player he could be. Your coach of the season, Bellamy, win the comp. Yeah, and again could have talk... easily gone Cleary, but yeah. They failed at the last step, and the coach has got to take some accountability with that, and he'd be the first to admit that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's, where I, that's where I landed. Say what you will again. Every single year someone leaves Melbourne, and they get written off, and they just keep coming back. Yep. You develop Hughes into the halfback that he turns out to be. Pappenhausen's first for year, full year at fullback wins the Clive Churchill medal. Tino mm-hmm. is an unknown, signs a massive contract, don't see much about him, plays an awesome year, ends up debuting. Welch's form when he comes back. Um, Olam, the way he turns out. Branko Lee is 
fourth or fifth club playing rugby union the way he played this season. Anyone that goes down there, he's just he's the king. I know Ivan turned things around massively. We had to go through a hard time last year. Blooded a lot of players. Definitely deserves huge plaudits for rolling that roster over. And no, and you wouldn't have expected what had happened. But um, yeah, Craig Bellamy, it's just something different. Your uh, underrated player, Christian Welsh. I've got the same after the way the season panned out. A, a few years ago, I wasn't so sure. Thought he was improving, but to come off the ACL and potentially heading to Parramatta on a big deal and have the year that he had in particular at the back end and the finals where I thought he was massively important for Melbourne, but then to play the way he did in the Origin games, one and three, uh, he, he's definitely gone up a lot of pegs, in my opinion, especially at Melbourne. I always kind of wondered, was he you know, going to hold down a rotation there when you've got Nelson, you've got Jesse and the guys that have been rolling through there. But I think it's more than clear right now that he's going to be a big part of that now that he's signed on for a couple of years. Yeah. And yeah. Probably, to me, becoming almost as important as Jesse. I thought Jesse played some of his better games at the back end of the year, but I don't think he's been playing as well the past 12 months. But Welch getting to that next year now certainly helps when you've got Nelson and obviously now losing Tina. So, had a, a really good year. Overrated player. This is an easy one. You can go a lot of ways with this one. Uh, but probably my top three kind I went um, to me to Pangai Jr very overrated for the wedge that he's on he needs to be delivering more and he did a lot of talking did a lot of agitating uh, ended up you know breaking the bubble rules what was it two or three times and admitted, admitted to it afterwards that, yeah, and, that he might do it again so yeah I thought his on field performance left a lot to be desired so did his integrity off the field and he's Accountability and his behaviour, which directly impacted his, his teammates. I thought it was really, really poor and disappointing. So, yeah, I thought he earned that tag. Mine's Corey Norman. And I know everyone probably knows he's overrated, but it's just to a point now where the bloke stole a living for God knows how many years. I'm sure he's a great bloke and he has his brand and he seems like a real funny character. But when you're getting paid that sort of money consistently over all these years, he even got an Origin debut last year. He said the start of this year he needs to step up and he's sick of playing shit football. Well, he didn't back it up. No, he didn't. Um, Why I think Benny Hunt's not having the best time, I don't think it's for a lack of effort. I think he's battling with some demons and he's at least trying hard. But some of the games I watch Corey Norman, you know how much ability he's got. It's just frustrating. It's beyond frustrating at this point in time Mm. because you know he can play football. And there's a lot of talk now that Griffin's there, that he had both of them, and hopefully he's going to turn it around and they'll get first crack at the halves. But... The sadder part for someone like a Corey Norman is just more the whole career. Like, yes, he's made plenty of money. Yes, he's going to play a decade plus probably in the NRL and he'll have a couple more years and some probably will have another role at him. But I just think within himself, like I'm sure he's probably he seems like a pretty laid-back dude and he's probably happy with uh, how things have played out. But to me, he could have done so much more. Yeah. And he should do so much more. So, uh, disappointing. But toughest player... Fisher Harris for me. He's just he's tough as nails. I went Jake Friend. I think he's just as hard as all shit and he just stands in front of blokes and he's small and like go back and watch Origin Two, the first carry Nathan Brown has, and he just runs over Jake Friend like he's a sleeper. Yeah. And Friend just gets up, puts himself back in the line. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. It, yeah, like it, I know it, it probably goes unnoticed, but he's not a He's not a big boy, and no, he just keeps getting up and copping it and getting up. And, and he's made a career again for a decade and, plus. Yeah, and again, you can go different ways with this award. You got people like 
Brandon Smith when he comes in the middle, or I talked about Pappenhausen before, who's smaller, or your Luke Kearys of the world, who just get pummeled from pillar to post to a 70 kilos, but uh, friends again, one of those guys, like you said, not biggest, not the fastest, not the most skillful, but he's made a career simply out of being a tough bastard. Yeah. He's just all go. Uh, Fish, obviously, is a bigger human being, but I just think pound for pound, you want to talk about the toughest hombres or the most consistent, he's right up there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you ask a lot of guys who they're scared of, and who's a tough son of a bitch, I think Fish would be right up the scale this day. Yeah, and he does it the best possible way, too. It's not with shit talk, it's, it's not with violence, it's clean, and he's just there, always. He's just pistons pumping when he's on the field, non-stop, ripping and tearing. Defense, offense. I think uh, I seen it last year as well. Most supports in the competition. So not only is he doing the hard yards, carrying in defense, he's always around the ball for a middle which is the underappreciated stuff, obviously, again, that you don't see or you take for granted off the ball. Um, hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Dirtiest player. I went Warrior Hargreaves. Yep. I th- think it's creeping in. Well, he was the most penalised player in the competition. Um, and, you know, got suspended a few times and he just pushes the line. I think Dirty's probably the wrong uh, word. You know, ill-disciplined. Pushes the line, pushes the envelope. He's probably the, the guy that does it. So uh, I don't think he's necessarily dirty, but I think he pushes he pushes the envelope. And, um, you know, he's a guy who gives away a lot of penalties. So. Well, mine's <laughs> going to be no surprise to a lot of people. Josh McGuire. He's good for a couple of suspensions every year. He loves getting penalised. Always in the niggle, always in the shit. Uh, I actually think he had one of his better years and... Uh, was one of the better players for the North Queensland Cowboys, but there's just some games where something always pops up or a suspension that just doesn't need to happen. Yeah. Blair was usually my baton holder for this, but he's now moved on. He's retired, so it's kind of been between them most years for me, but Josh Maguire just still hasn't kind of got enough of it out of his game. It still comes in too often for me. So, unfortunate. Uh, fallen player, someone who's just gone off a cliff. Michael Morgan. Harder one because part of it's physical, but you yeah, just wonder, is he ever going to get back there? How long? For how long? It's, like it's been a long time. And when he has it? played, he's been a shadow of his former self. So it's not a criticism, but he's just, since that year, he led the Cowboys to the grand final. He's just fallen off a cliff. And yeah, a lot of that is through injury, but... And it comes back. This year, I think, more than ever, it was it was relevant, uh, really relevant that they needed him on the field and... Uh, when he was on the field, he just didn't deliver. No, and I think I said it when we did our reviews. There at a serious point now where he got that huge deal and he hasn't been healthy since. Where next year, if he's busted again, I, I, I don't exactly remember uh, when was it twenty seventeen. He got the extension, wasn't it after that? So eighteen, nineteen. I think it was a five year deal or a four year deal. So he might have a year or two left. They've got some serious considerations that need to be made around that. Yeah, whether it's medical because he's had so many injuries, I don't know if they could get there to get him out of there twelve months early, but. This is a huge year coming up for Michael Morgan. Yeah. It's been one injury after the other after the other. It's it's crunch time. It really is. Uh, mine is Milford, and I know it's been a slow decline over the years, but this year in particular, there just wasn't really many signs in any game to me that he wanted to run the football or even look close to the player that we thought he once might be. Yeah. And similar deal again, I, I don't know if it's expectation or... What it is, I think it's a bit different to the Corey Norman thing, but I just I think for the time that he's been playing now and how far into his career is, 
I just think there's been some wasted years now. And the situation there certainly didn't help this year. And I don't know if it's going to be turned around in 12 months, but I just don't think we've seen what we should have from Anthony Milford this so far in his career, and in particular after the year in 2015. And every year it keeps getting brought up that he's Premier and he's this and he's that and he's one of the best fighters. He hasn't been good really since literally that year. He might have had a speck or two between 16 and 17, but we're heading into 2021. Yeah, It's fucking six years ago. He hasn't even scratched close to what we saw. They got to a grand final. Yeah. So... Ben Hunt was another one, but again, it's been a bit of a fall there, and there's a couple other guys like you just mentioned as well, but um, yeah, Milford's the one that really stand out to me. Peanut of the year, one that someone put up on the yeah. group discussion. Mine's your man that you mentioned before, Pangai Jr. Yeah. I know there's always other contenders, and you can make arguments here, there, and everywhere, but the fact is, he just, if he's not suspended he's picking on someone or he has a big game against someone like the Bulldogs and then he doesn't turn up when it is an important game and then when he gets busted for breaching the bubble goes in has his interview tried to agitate his way out probably found that nobody else was interested then said he wanted to change his ways and of all things to go there and basically say I've already breached the bubble multiple times and to be honest I'll probably do it again like seriously if Brisbane were already in enough of a hole and had enough issues going on and they've signed this guy for a stack of cash which has potentially cost him David Fafita not to mention just the whole dumpster fire that is up there at the Brisbane Broncos. This bloke is the candle holder for all things bad about the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah, him and James Hooper won the award for what the fuck was that in, in, with their interview that was on Fox. Like, yeah. what the fuck just happened? PR. Where PR basically campaign. Hooper just read questions from his manager and fed Pangai Jr. opportunities to basically advertise himself and, and talk about why he shouldn't be sacked and why he should be allowed back to the Broncos and that, you know, he didn't approach the Roosters and all this shit. It was, yeah. I um I went out in Fenua Blake. I, I, he just did some really dumb things this year. Uh, the main one, you know, the yeah, comments, comments. The comments were just disgusting. The lack of accountability, the lack of, um, I think, an apology some sincerity around remorse and an understanding for the people who that impacted. You know, then he's he puts up these dumb fucking videos on Instagram where he's got a mask on and acting like he's a gangster. Then he's agitating to get a release because he can't be in Sydney, he can't be around certain people. Um, you know, he's not a 15-year-old boy, he's, he's a man. So you want to be a man, you want to play in a man's game, you want to earn man money, big boy money, start acting like a man and start taking some accountability for your actions and understand that you are a role model, whether you like it or not, and that your actions do have an impact, positively or negatively. I think Manly, you know, he's he's clearly a great player on the field, mm. but oh, no I, I think they'll be glad to see the back of him because he's, he just seems to be hard work. And he impacts your culture, whether you like it or not. The fact that Manly had to deal with you know, that, that issue for a whole, basically a whole week, even a week and a half, you know, around apologising and, and statements and, you know, who speaks and the fact that they didn't speak for a while, it just highlighted a lack of culture at Manly uh, and accountability and leadership. So, yeah, it was, I think he, he him and Pangai Jr., I think are the two that, that are streaks ahead, but. Yeah, I, I sort of looked back today and I had to think about it. And it wasn't that... I think Pangai was probably in the headlines more. But I'm not sure it was for something as big as 
what Fanua Blake did that for that, you know, that afternoon or that that night, um, and just the way that the Manly players were screaming at the referee and yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't a good look, yeah. and the comments around it and the impact it would have had on a lot of people um, who have mental disabilities that support our game because they do plenty do. and they're putting money in your pocket and you have just um, brought them down and talk lowly about them you know and I understand that the microphone was you could argue well, we should yeah, hear what we, happens we on we the talk field about this all but the time it doesn't you, matter the microphone's there you know the microphone's there mm. the microphone's there part of the part of the reason the microphone is there is because Again, you're getting more money for the microphone to be there. Well, probably the worst part again as well. The apparent thing that he went on with it when he was in the sheds, which the referees have obviously heard, so... But where's someone going, oi, fucking pull your head in. Hmm. Stop. Because they have that old saying that the referee's never going to change his decision. No, they don't. Uh, So, look, I'd I'd go back to... I think how Cherry Evans handled that was poor. And then you look at the development in his leadership within the Origin series, he's grown significantly as a leader this year, Daily Cherry Evans. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not just backhanding Manly here. I think you've seen Cherry Evans really grow as a leader, but I think there's probably a point there where some of those players in the dressing room go, look, great player, but fuck his hard work, and he's not rowing in the same direction we're all rowing. And uh, they're, they're a club that's right on the cusp, I think, Manly, of going either one way or the other. Well, it's definitely a two-way move. I think they know they've got easily a top three prop in the game and on his day close to the best prop in the yeah. game but salary cap is an issue again yeah. and then personality and like you and said behavior. and repeated issues culture yeah. all those things along with salary cap I think they just looked at it and thought well it's probably an easy contract to move but culture can, can you win a competition with him behaving the way he is probably not Yeah. so they would have looked at it culture and money wise and said well it needs to happen so yeah, yeah. there you go Best buy of the year. There was some bloody good buys this year, but I think this one's... Coruscant. Yeah. Doesn't really need much explanation. And before I go to worst buy... We had the biggest impact. I'd say bargain buy. You could say Josh Morris as far as the price they got there, but Coruscant as well, we talked about before, went on a fairly modest deal in all honesty. So I've still got him as the bargain buy of the year as well. Yeah, I went um, Reese Robson. Yeah, he was really, really good up I there. I really, really like Reese Robson. Yeah, good player. And, uh, you know, he by the end of the year, he'd taken Jake Granville's spot essentially and just a really really astute signing I think it was a great signing by the Cowboys and I think he's going to do some really 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 good things with that team mm-hmm. um, team and I, I really like him as a player as a player he's a good player <clears throat> uh, worst buy of the year it's always a harsh one you can categorise this a lot of ways for me I, I look more value for money most of the time and to me the worst buy of the year was Valentine Holmes purely mm. because there was no demand for him to go anywhere else he knew he wanted to go to the Cowboys before he left to go to the Jets. His partner is the sister of Michael Morgan's uh, partner. His family's based up there. All signs point that he needed to go back there, and I just don't think the Cowboys need to pay the dollar they did. But because of player and manager and me, 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 they jacked up and got the 900000 or whatever it was deal, which they're locked into. And first year, no surprise, after going through what he has in the Jets and not playing for 12 months, you wouldn't expect him to get back to where he was, but... If you just want to go purely value for money, performance, and then I know he ended up injured, it's it was a, it was a bad boy. I've gone Kyle Flanagan because we're recording this podcast and he he's no longer at the Roosters. I think 
as far as price and what he delivered, though, I think he was a lot better value for 12 months than what they got out of Valentine Holmes for close to a million bucks. Yeah, but the fact that they bought him and then now they've let him go tells you it's not a good buy. So, yeah, I, I went Cole Flanagan. I thought it was a terrible buy. I, di- I didn't think he... Hey, I didn't think... And then this isn't on Flanagan. No. I think it's more on the Roosters. Like, they bought him knowing what he was. And yeah. he, he was what he was. And then it seemed as though he carried a lot of the blame on-field and off-field for the performances and the results. And there was, a, there was a stage there where he got dropped and Lockie Lamb came in and... You know, there's debate around whether Flanagan will got back in if Lamb didn't get injured. Um, he just got put in the washing machine of the Roosters and got spat out. If they win the comp, he's the, he's the hero and the prodigal son, but now he's been flushed out. And I just think it's it's one of those ones where I think this could be potentially damaging to, to Flanagan. I hope that he can sort of rebuild himself and play some good footy and develop because he's still got to develop like we talk about yeah. Nathan Cleary Funnigan's a younger I think than Nathan Cleary or they're at least the same he's age he's a good footballer so, but like you said you just worry sometimes but it's a terrible buy by the Roosters to A bring him across and yank him out of the Sharks not just leave him there hmm. and and B to flush him the and way they did 12 months think, basically so you're not it's more a shot at the Roosters than it is a shot at Flanagan personally for being the worst buy hmm. I just think the fact that we're now talking, we're summing up our season and he's no longer there. How many buyers, how many players that were bought this year are, are now flushed out the door? I think he'd be, he'd be the highest profile. The other one who's right up there for me is a bad boy, Joey Leilua. Terrible. They paid him good coin too, which I just couldn't understand. His brother, on the other hand, Luciano, had a really good year. Yeah. But Joey, awful boy. And similar to what you said before, they not only do they pay him good dollar, but as far as culture... Work ethic, training, personality on field. That's not what I want around my group. Um, then probably the only other one is, again, a lot of people question Melbourne getting rid of Brodie Croft. I think that proved pretty fruitful. They won a comp with Dram Hughes, and I know the situation wasn't really helpful there. But most of the time, if they're willing to give you somebody, that should be a warning sign to you. No different than what we've said in the past about when Melbourne called the Tigers about Corey Betty and they let him go mid-season, or Addo Carr they weren't interested in and they signed him a couple of weeks later, or Pappenhausen couldn't get a deal and they signed him. If Melbourne's interested in anyone you've got or sniffing around someone you've got, that should be alarm bells ringing. Yeah. But then the other way around, if you ring up about someone who's supposed to be the replacement for their halfback and they say, yeah, you can have him, you should probably reconsider your options if they're that willing to let him go. Mm. So, But for me, it was more homes and value for money and what they got out of it. Hopefully he turns around, but with seeing the little bits of scene of Hamiso and what's coming through there, I don't even know if he's going to end up being the fullback. So if they're stuck with that deal for the next four years... You can't pay a winger nine hundred thousand dollars. Can't. So they better hope he turns it around and shows some shades of what he started to show at the Sharks before he left. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Uh, the team that you thought overachieved the most this season, Panthers. They won sixteen in a row. I would never yeah. have guessed that they were going to win sixteen in a row after they the went through. Final. Um, yeah, Matt, like they overachieved massively. I, I had them as top eight, but man, I, I didn't expect them to be so dominant. Runaway minor premiers, and we're seeing. Now, what we've talked about the other week about accelerated development does to your salary cap, where everything the last yeah. few weeks has been about Penrith needing to re-sign this player, and this guy's gone into camp and upgrades here, and two guys now, Matt Burton today, Dane Laurie, have signed on but aren't being released next year, which I don't blame them, mm. because for those guys, whether your opportunities are limited, Cup is coming back, and you're also going to have a chance at winning a, a premiership again this year because they're going to have a good top 30, but this is the price you pay when you achieve one thing but go to a grand final year one with so many good young players yeah. 
Penrith are feeling that right now and trying to shuffle the decks. But uh, if you would have said from what they went through 12 months ago, I had them in my eight, but I did not think they were going to be in the grand final. Mm. Massive overachievement. Uh, underachiever, I think the most obvious one is the team that started 2-0 and and then came out and was one of 17 in the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. The Dragons as well, for me, are another one. Just purely on names, which mean fuck all at the end of the day. Reputations and names mean nothing if you don't deliver. And they've got origin forwards. They've got an origin pair of halves, and they were shot. Yeah. Cowboys were shot as well. There's, there's I think, a few uh, that were bad, but Brisbane probably take the cake. Brisbane, and then if you're looking at a top eight team, I think Parramatta really underachieved at the back end of the year. Um, based on what they were doing halfway through, I think, They'd be the when you're talking about top eight teams who aren't feeling great about themselves coming into the preseason. I think Parramatta would be one, mm. but Brisbane by a country mile. Everyone, everyone else who finished outside the eight, I sort of thought, yeah, you know, that, that's sort of where they'd finish. Um, how do we go with our top eights and stuff? Overs unders. Have you got all that stuff? Uh, all Don't. kind of changed. The yeah. overs unders was irrelevant oh, once yeah, the thing okay, got yeah. scrapped. Our top eights. I think we both went six of eight from when I looked. Yeah, I think I left South out. I ended up, I think, leaving them in. I think Manly was the one I had in who weren't, and Cronulla got in. I and put I Manly in, took them out. So I had and six. I had Broncos in there, but I had the rest. I had six of eight. We Same. both had six yeah. of eight. Then we changed our premiership, obviously, Melbourne. We both had Melbourne to win the comp. So After got the change-up. So. But yeah, the overs-unders all died for me when that went, the market all got flipped. If you wanted to cut off the average and turn it around, I think I looked at one of them, and we were about... 70%. So we still had a pretty good year on overs unders. Yeah. But you would have had to change it. So if it was 12 and a half over the 24 round game and you changed it to 20, it would have been 10 and a half. But for the majority, um, I did look a couple of weeks ago, but I don't have the pay beer with me. We were pretty good to get on that. But top eight, six of the eight. So yeah. that's pretty good. Pretty good going. Uh, highlight and low light of the season to me doesn't need to be anything complicated. I think it's pretty straightforward. The biggest low light for all of us is when all the sports stopped, and in particular when Rugby League with Volandis looked like they were going to push on, um, we ended up pulling up stumps after that round two where I was like, holy shit, we're the last man left standing. And then those dreaded words came out that, you know, things were too risky. And then they got slammed for those weeks where we were putting in the hard yards and trying to come up with content and podcasts and all bored shitless out of our minds in lockdown. The highlight was when we were the first ones back. That was awesome. Yeah. And after being shitbagged the last couple of years for mismanagement and how the game's been run and grassroots not getting a mo- just all sorts of things that have been slings and arrows at the game, I thought this was a great year for rugby league. Yeah. And particular, again, not only on the field but off the field and the direction things are heading. Um, fingers crossed they keep heading in a really good way. But in, in a time that was devastating for all businesses, people, families, workplaces, jobs... Sport, you name it. It was it was devastating for everything to be the first ones, oh, to the ones that fought on the longest. Then obviously had to pull up stumps, but then to be the first ones back, I don't think you need to say much more. That's the highlight and low of the season for me. And the other highlight was our first skewing armies on the hill at Penrith had, when we got to go to a game. Yeah, my highlight was the Panthers just as a whole, getting to go to the majority of their home games once crowds were allowed back in, um, watching them. I got a core group of mates who are. Mental Penrith fans, like, just seeing them get souped every home game and, <laughs> you know, the excitement and the momentum build was good. Um, yeah, and just, I think, like, as as bad as COVID's been, it's 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 actually made going to games a lot nicer. Oh, like, you don't have awesome. 
the huge crowd, you don't have to battle, you know, big lines and all that sort of stuff. You can, you know, you can laze around and watch the game in comfort. So, you know, obviously we all want packed stadiums back, but the silver lining is that it's just been, it's just been nice and comfortable in the stadium. So I really, really enjoyed that. Low light was the Broncos, the drama around the Broncos, the fact you turn your TV on every night and 360... Yeah. Led with the Broncos or Fox Sports News led with the Broncos. The Telegraph are leading with the Broncos. Um, I think the agenda to just run Seabold out of town was poor. I think in the end he got the sack for the right reasons because the results were ordinary. Uh, but I just think once once they started to slide and the media just made up their mind that they didn't like him and that they didn't want him to be the Broncos coach and there was a lot of media there who are matey matey with Kevin Walters and you know the ex-players were are all pro Kevin Walters and you know he should have got the job in the first place and Seabold shouldn't have got it and see this is why you know this is what was always going to happen when Seabold got the job like I'm a I'm a non like I'm I'm an ex-player but I'm not an ex-NRL player and I'm a plying my trade coach who's doing the hard yards and have got a uni degree and are doing my apprenticeship coaching, Seabold's done all that. And I think he's a he's an astute coach. He's made some mistakes at Brisbane and, you know, he'll, he'll go away and uh, learn from those and hopefully he's back bigger and better. And I'd, I'd love nothing more than to see him prove himself a success in the NRL to sort of one-up a lot of the people that have driven this agenda and then just I think the impact it's had on his family and it's just the ugly side of the game I just I just don't like it I don't like how people are just happy to throw poo at people and 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 I just enjoy seeing people fall well it was more like I said I was probably more bothered like you said yeah it got personal yeah it went away from football and it was no different to you see the media side of it I guess another example was at the end there where Anthony Griffin was in the running for the job at the Dragons. And you had the Fox side of things who were just completely, you know, one way about it. And then you had the Channel 9 side of it with Gus and those kind of guys. What were the other side about it? And you're like, well, are you actually judging him as a coach on his merits? Or are you both just pushing a different side of the agenda? Because he works for one side and then on the other side, um, he's been involved with one of your colleagues and obviously got sacked by him. Like it just, you look at those things at times and the way things are pulling and you go, where's the grey? Mm. It's all, well, sorry, it's all grey. There's no black and white, but they're both pushing a wheelbarrow. Yeah. But then on the flip side of it, at times, like you said, you see the double agenda where Ricky might say something in a press conference and it's funny, but then Ivan Cleary says, I'll manage back into a game and everyone wants him to be fined. Or someone, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's agendas all the time. But yeah, it wasn't exactly great to see the way that panned out, that's for sure. But, uh, the last thing to finish off, and I think this one, again, to me, is pretty straightforward, and I, I don't have a problem with who ended up winning the Dalian medal, but my player of the year, as far as his performance across the 20 rounds, the finals, uh, and the Origin Series, is Nathan Cleary. That's my player of the year. Yes. Yeah, Jack White, and don't get me wrong, he had an outstanding year. I think he had more impactful individual games overall, and in particular the second half of the season, but the whole body of work, I don't think he was as good probably the first 10 rounds consistently say as Nathan Cleary was across the full 20. He may have not as had as many knockout games as Jack did on the back end, but I also look at that and think, you know, one of those games where he got a double and was dominant was against the Gold Coast Titans when you guys hadn't started your run yet. 
One of them was against the Bulldogs, who were, let's be honest, pretty shit house this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm not taking away from Jack. He's, his last 10 games in particular are absolutely outstanding. But Nathan's whole body of work to me, he was the best player in the NRL this season. Absolutely. I totally so, agree. Those two are one and two, without a doubt. <clears throat> but the whole body of work is what I go off. And I don't think there was a more consistent player around around this season, more impactful on their side week to week. And again, it's it's the little things I talk about again that you won't see in a game from your camera shot. It's what you see live. It's what you see if you do a coach's review from the ant cam and above and watch how things play out. His involvements don't have to be directly on the ball. It's the stuff on the inside. It's the kicking game, steering the team around, setting up the tempo and the way he played this year. Uh, there was just more nuance to his game. And again, he's at half you don't run it. Yeah. Anytime they try to target him or run at him or tire him out, it just doesn't matter. He's a brick wall. He does well. He's kicking game. He's second to none. He's running improved this year. And I think, again, physically he got stronger and he's more confident. I think he knows that's his team now. I just hope we continue to see that trajectory. Because if we do, those two should be our halves pairing moving forward based off ability and what they Absolutely. do best. Yeah. They, they are the absolute perfect yin and yang that you could bring for rep football in the future with what they both bring to the table. Yeah, well, they should, have been, playing, they Wales, should have been 6-7 so. for Origin um, this year. And, yeah, I I just think... I'm, I'm really more intrigued to see... And, again, I'm not trying to dow things for the Panthers fans out there, but I'm more interested to see how this 12 months and this whirlwind plays out for the Panthers because consistently we see the Roosters in Melbourne every year. Yeah. And every so often someone pops up for a couple of years. Sharks did. Cowboys had a little bit of a period. Brisbane were the team before that were more consistent, but... Everyone else that seems to push themselves in for a year, they either fall off or they go to the bottom of that or they might fall out here. If Penrith is serious and this is managed well and all egos are kept in check and roster managed and all things are all good, they should be a dominant side or a top four side for the next few years to come. But after the whirlwind, COVID kind of kept me out of the limelight. They weren't exposed to the community down here, which I'm sure would have been a completely different story if you had a season like this um, and been out in, you know... Penrith during such a successful time with full houses and been able to go out. I think this was the best case scenario for a bunch of young guys in Penrith. But with contracts, money, and things that are starting to pop up now, rep camps, performances off the grand final, you just, you never know. You never know. I I would love to think they come back and they're as dominant and as fun to watch next year. But yeah, we're we're starting to see the Mansour thing, which has pissed off a few players, but I'm sure... In the end, they'll understand it and digest it. You've seen they've pushed for Burton, who's now confirmed today he's going to the Bulldogs next year. Dane Laurie, another one who's on the fringe, who obviously realises the door's probably not there for him. He's going to be going to the West Tigers. Lane, who's still being targeted. There's guys that are there, and they've still got to lock up Blue Eye Yo. And the Crichton handshake deal that I already talked about a few weeks ago is not looking any better now. That's gone from, yep, I've got a handshake agreement, to that was before I had a manager. So um, just there's little challenges there. Yeah. But, yeah, player of the year... You agree, Nathan Cleary for us. Absolutely, yeah. At the fifth and last. But before we uh, finish things up for good, talking about some of those things and just some player movement and, again, how things are going. Confirmed today, finally. Burton has signed with the Bulldogs moving forward. So 12 months away, but uh, a good signing. And if, like you said, I think they can get through this year with some of the younger guys and who they've brought in. Keep working on their juniors and get a couple of guys through. Develop Avarillo further. Jackson DePine's a really good back row they've got coming through the system. Romanos, you saw Matt Dory at the back end of the year. Hetherington coming over. Cotrick coming over. Uh, if they can get through the year, 
build some of those guys up, have Flanagan playing some good football, then have Burton come in the year after to pair up with him and potentially get a hooker or someone in the market, could be a real good situation moving forward and a good build yeah. if they do it the right way. But at, at the moment, there's some good signs. Still a long build, or it's going to be 12 months away before I think they really see something. But um, it's a big, big coup, I reckon, getting him out of there. Massive. So... The other one on the back of that we already talked about, Dane Laurie, the young fullback well, who got well, a game. There were murmurs around that. Yeah. Like the, there were murmurs around the Laurie one as well, but it, now, no, I guess now it sort of becomes, well, he's going next year and is this the start of trying to get him to go next year? Yeah. Well, they basically... So that'll be the one to watch over summer. Right now, neither of them are going. I, I, again, I'd like to think in this situation with the environment they've built there, the success they've had this year, cut being back next year and the opportunity, again, I think, to be a contender, that if I'm those two guys, I want to be there. Yeah. And in particular, Burton, because they were talking about finding a way to get him in there. I don't know if signing the contract changes that. It, probably, it might do. They might now not want to agitate as much to try and get him into play centre or back row or whatever they were talking about. So... We'll see how it plays out. But he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's going to cause a drama. Yeah. And Laurie's similar deal. I know his opportunities weren't great. And it's probably more of the case if he's looked and go, well, Staines, Edwards, there's a couple there that are going to probably get a crap before me. Um, Tiger's obviously asked the question, but for now, not happening. And Lainu, as I said, Spencer Lainu is still on the radar of the Bulldogs apparently. So uh, never surprised, but they're going to be pushing to try and take more from Penrith and elsewhere. Addo Carr's been in for a meeting in the last 24 hours. Now that he's in the off-season. So, for the Tigers who missed out on getting him this year and South, I'm sure, will be back on the radar. The Bulldogs are red hot to try and get him for 2022 as well. Yeah. So, making moves there. Uh, the Crichton thing I just talked about, that's an interesting one to play out, but that just seems to grow with interest more and more. So, the handshake deal, you can throw that out the window now. He's got a manager. Mm. They're going to explore. So, those big dollar bills, like you said, might be coming. If not, I think someone's definitely going to pay, but... Not going as smoothly as what Penrith hoped, that's for sure. Gareth Whitlock, the interesting one to pop up the last few days, that him and his management searching for a way to come home. Uh, for personal reasons, for family reasons, I also think just the whole environment, the way things are going over there, I'd rather be back in Australia as well. But the first team or first contact that was made apparently was with North Queensland, which is quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, he's... That's not quite what I expected. No, me either. My bigger worry is a guy that came off two Ricos in a row then goes to Super League for 12 months who's now 30, 31 years old, potentially paired up with a busted Michael Morgan. How reliable and how much is it going to cost you? Um, or do you persist with drink water? And you've got Dejan Arzi who came in last year and Clifford who they were adamant they weren't going to let go who's now signed with Newcastle for the next two years. Um, who's another one we're bringing up, who they're now saying they're not letting go early. It's just, it's a whole very, very interesting show, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. But I dare say if they do get Whitop in and this whole thing plays out, which I'm not sure it will, Clifford will get to go earlier, but if not, they're going to hold on for four months. But um, they're in a very interesting situation now. They've tried with Clifford. He's been chopped and changed. He's been in and out. He's been back and forth. The team hasn't been that great, which probably hasn't helped his development, but he's now got... His future tied up. Drink water at times flashes some absolute brilliance, but he's also got a lot of errors in his game. He's yeah, his it's like, spot. what's his best spot? Fullback, yeah. half. You know, can you rely on more? I think it's fullback. RC showed some flashes, but he's only a kid, so they've got to settle on a pairing. Yeah. They really do. And then again... If, and it comes if, back to Morgan. Like If, if drink Morgan's water's a fullback, fit. like you're saying, though, then you've got Holmes as well and big money, and you've got Hamiso now, so... 
they've uh, yeah, they've got some headaches. But I found the Widop thing interesting in the first place, let alone to North Queensland. But yeah, Clifford now signed with Newcastle. Interesting to see if he ends up getting uh, his way early. <laughs> Bailey Sheridan, interesting one last week. Thought he had a really good year for South Sydney. They let him go. I think mm. salary cap press is part of it, and he got offered a good long-term deal. But the Warriors, yeah, Nathan good Brown, three-year deal straight in. He, he proved to be a really good player. Yeah. So hopefully that continues for them. And speaking of the Warriors again, uh, come out today, Melbourne Storm made an offer to Jerome Hughes, two years, 500000 a season. And apparently his manager and him aren't exactly happy with that. They're looking more around the $700,000 mark. And Tigers, Titans, Warriors, every man and his dog is apparently interested. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I said it before and I said it again. I really do like Jerome Hughes, but I don't know if I'm willing to pay seven, eight hundred thousand for him to be my halfback after just what I've seen this year. I know we won the comp, but that was with Cameron Smith, Papenhaus and Munster, etc. This year in particular, I think will go a long way to the decision that Melbourne makes as to what they think he's worth. Yeah. And they'll be in no rush, but I don't know. What what would you pay for Jerome Hughes? Do you think seven hundred thousand? It's too much. And that's my opinion as well. Mm. So Melbourne's made a half a million dollar offer, which they think is fair. Market dictating that he might get seven eight hundred. I, I don't think they'll go that far. No, but I wouldn't either. For now, uh, they've seemed to have made their offer. Two years, half a mil, and plenty of clubs interested. Tigers, Titans, Warriors, etc. But um, it, it's one that we're just going to have to wait and see. I guess how that plays out. The Joseph Sawali thing just keeps continuing. They're talking now that he could go to the Roosters immediately, but South want a player swap. Even though he's only on a wage of sixty thousand dollars, they've thrown out the offer that they'll take Daniel Tupou, which I'm sure the Roosters will be. Longer point with them. My thing is, they're already in salary cap drama, trying to keep everyone, trying to get Alan out, talking about floating somebody else out the door, trying to get Latrell extended, and they've let Siren go for similar reasons because they've got a juggle happening. How the fuck do you think you're going to fit Daniel Tupo in your salary cap? Mm. Unless they're agitating the roosters to, you can take Suwali now, but you can pay part of these wages because Suwali's only coming on what the deal. I don't know how that all works out, but these two hate each other. It's clear. <laughs> He's going there in 12 months' time. They don't want to hand him over. They've made a request, which I highly doubt Daniel Tupo would follow through on, even if the Roosters did consider doing it for Joseph Wiley right now. But the Roosters and South's hate, and the circus continues. Mm. So I found that interesting reading uh, when that one came out yesterday. The Brisbane Broncos still trying to get Will Chambers there, even though they knocked it on the head last week. Joe Fan Gowie and Lodge were the two names, and I mentioned Lodge before going to the Warriors. Um, Hasn't quite happened. They filled their top 30 when they signed Montoya. Then I think they pushed two out, and now they've got Bailey back in. So I think they're back up to 30 locked in, so he can't go. But off Ingo, he's the one on everyone's lips. He's been linked to the Tigers, been linked to the Dragons again. He's been linked there most of the offseason. He's the one, if anyone wants to go, which is the most likely to be out of there if Will Chambers is to get back on board. Mm. Um, Newcastle had a couple of moves this week. Suasso Su, two-year deal. Moved on from the Bulldogs, goes to Newcastle. Jack Johns, who... He's going back there now on a one-year deal after apparently being told he was gone by South and called back up. Um, stuck to his word. And Blake Green, obviously, we know now, is out of that Bulldog gig. Will do his rehab at Newcastle, play one more year, then go into a coaching role. So, yeah, makes sense. A couple of moves there on their side of things. Uh, and the Tigers, again, I know that hasn't been a lot of good news and it didn't get much better with LIA saying that he never wants to wear the jersey again and that's been an interesting circus. <laughs> and then they've said that he uh, can cut the grass for all they care. He's not leaving. Well, he's going to leave. Whole standoff with Manly is they now can happening. Talk, they can talk as much as they want. They're going to let him go. 
Because you can't have someone sitting on the sideline on the books that isn't playing. Well, they're saying, you know, if you don't turn up, you'll be fined or we'll fire you. I don't know how that works. If you get the sack for not turning up, do they... But that's what he wants. Sit you out for 12 months? He'd be happy to get fired. But Well, they, with the conditions of your contract and your rights, supposed to be... It'll, what will happen is the dust will settle and in two or three weeks' time, he'll have a release and it'll be... A yep. small column in the paper. Well, he's already signed to go over there, apparently, for 22 and 23 for a replacement for Adam Fanua Blake. They've said they want a player in return again, whether that happens or not. They're taught they want it's to bring the Curtis Sirin back. I want now. to go back over that. Like well, now they're saying. Well, oh, I want a player in return. It's not. We don't have a trade market. They're interested in Curtis Sirin, apparently. You don't whether... get a player in return. A player has to agree to go yeah. back across. What well, do you think Curtis Sirin would be interested in going back? Fuck no. <laughs> no great response they punted him yeah and I, I guess at the I know, time I know his old man's still there I, he, he was playing ordinary at the time too mind you but I think he's yeah, played he's good football for Manly and played better yeah so, that's right again unless it's a salary cap thing which I think they're having issues with obviously the move for Fenua Blake going out was due to salary cap LIA will come in on less money but mm. obviously better wedge which would be more something they could swallow Thompson has moved on it's taught they've been linked to Luke Garner, who's obviously one of their former 20s players as well. But the Tigers, there's been more taught that that's more likely to happen for him to be released early. So plenty going on between the Tigers and Manly. But the LRA situation in particular is an interesting one. But on a more positive note, uh, Sean Blord has re-signed for two more years for the Tigers after they got him in from the Panthers. Yeah, so, nice. Uh, got a couple of glimpses of him. Sure, we're going to see more of him this year. And a few more bits to finish off before we are done for the year. Colin Matungi at the Rabbitohs extended. Good player. Made a great impact Good off player. the bench. He's going to be important for the Rabbitohs chilling. Really uh, brought some spark at the back end of the year. They're still pushing hard for the Latrell extension, which I, I can understand they want to extend him, but I still can't understand uh, the dollar value talking up to $800,000 and what it might cost you. But, you know, that's going to be proven in time, I guess, whether I'm right or, or South are right. No, I'm definitely, you know, not right, exactly running an NRL club, but, yeah. The Dragons, Corbin Sims has been released to go to England. Kate Ellis re-signed for one more year. Uh, cheap labour, I guess, and good kids, so not a bad move for them. And uh, the Cronulla Sharks got Tolman in for a one-year deal just to fill in. And obviously, all the murmurs have been coming out of there. They're off the coach, and it's the senior players. Well, no fucking surprise, because they're all the ones on <laughs> big contracts who are underperforming yeah. um, and should be all heading out the door, but... Apparently, he did exactly what any good coach should do. He put the pressure on Matt Moylan that, you know, you could look for another club if you want and you haven't been playing and earn your wage and you've got 12 months to go, which he wasn't happy about. And the other one was Fafito, who's had some serious problems with his knee. He hung it out there that would you consider medically retiring, which apparently he wasn't happy about, even though he basically couldn't train or play last year. So mm. I still don't understand how this has even been discussed with what he's had to deal with. Mm. He, they should be backing him to Hill to get rid of anyone... It's 100%. There as the dead wood and yeah. give him a chance to improve on what he's already done in the open market moving forward. Yeah. But it is Cronulla after all, so we'll have to see how that he, one plays. He's going to be gone. It's clear. The players are winning that battle and... Well, if they're listening to Aaron Woods, Fafita, Dugan and those guys... They are. Otherwise, why wouldn't they have re- re-signed him? The only person who's come out strong, with, I think Chad Townsend come out and said, me and Sean Johnson love him and I can't believe there's any talk about it. So Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Thanks, Chad. It's very interesting. But the last bit I've got here is your mob. They filled up their top 30, the Titans. A uh, couple of signings to finish off. All relatives of a couple of guys that are already there. 
So they've gone out there trying to make it a we family. We are the family club. You're trying to be the new Bulldogs. The f- they are the family club, the Gold Coast we Titans. We will arc it up and spark they it up at the Titans. And sparked it up. And they've got Tino's younger brother, Payne Hass's brother, and the cousin of David Fafita on development contracts Great. to the Gold Coast Titans. So Good. There you go. That's Great. what you guys are doing. Super. And, uh, Justin Holbrook doing a great job. Oh, 100%. Love him. Love the bloke. 100%. And speaking of the Gold Coast Titans, your man, Chris Cluner, he's excited. Oh, I thought you were going to go to Michael Gordon, but no, that's okay. Nah, yeah, not good news there. <laughs> oh, Mickey dear. Gordon. Mickey Gordon. Trying to earn a bit of... There's, there's, well, there's such things... Be careful, as, we don't know. No, we don't. But they're just saying, if it is true, there's such thing as a side hustle, but I wouldn't recommend that one. No. For extra cabbage. No. No. When you've played football no. for a decade plus. Bit of extra wedge. you think his house would be paid off. I was going to say, decade plus, he's been playing. Oh, I know yeah. he wouldn't have earned like, ridiculous coin, but you think you would have saved some of the cash, surely. Yeah. So. Super League Grand Final this week, too. Yeah, Wigan, Wigan and Saints. Saints. Two best sides. I think Saints will wipe the floor with Wigan. And That's Man of Steel was Paul McShane, was it? don't know. I, I didn't saw. see that. Pretty sure I saw it was Paul McShane. He's a hooker, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Right. Nominated. He won it. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. Yeah, okay. There you go. I wouldn't say he's been my man of steel, well, but anyway. A few people were pretty angry about it. I yeah. think people were more mm. keen on the idea that Bevan French or some one of the other oh. nominees was going to win the award. I haven't yeah. watched any Super League because it's just been around. Who, nomin- who were the nominees? The Super League's been all right. Last week's know. games were good. Um, um, man of steel nominees. Let's have a look. Yeah, keep going. Do it. Who are the minor premiers? Was it Saints? Wigan. So Wigan. They right. beat Saints in a... Sean O'Loughlin retiring finally? Yeah, he is. I think I saw something the other day that he was injured and he was back in time. Yeah, he played last week. And they lost Tompkins and McAloran before their prelim. Joel Tompkins? Yeah. 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 And they he did the hopper. Won by 40-something points in a prelim. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah, I probably would have gone Cootie. Like, Coot's played well. So who got nominated? Lachlan Coot, Liam Farrell, Bevan French, Aiden Caesar. Caesar Caesar had, had a good year. And Paul McShed. Mick Shane's a hooker for Castleford, is it? Yeah. Cass? And they fucking ran nowhere. Oh, there you go. But, yeah, I think... Let's have a look at the odds. I'd be going and... Laying a big smackaroony on St. Helens. They'd probably be a dollar. Haven't seen 15. either of them play any football this year. All I know is every time I see a highlight or a video, it's Bevan French looking like he's James Tedesco in the Super St. Helens League. are $2. Lay onto that, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there you go. You can tell the punters what you think. Yeah, and if it loses, it. They'll, they'll forget by March. So, <laughs> when we come back, February, whenever. Have to throw it out there. Much more somber bit of news. I should have done this at the start, but uh, rest in peace and condolences to the Manly Seagulls, the playing group, and in particular the family of uh, Keith Titmus, who was a young prop who got upgraded to the top squad this year. He's been awesome the last couple of years, come to the grades. He scored the match winner in their 2017 grand final uh, boil over when they upset the Parramatta Eels who were red hot that year. He was the Jersey flag player of the year in 2019. And um, after training the other day, was having some cramps, not feeling too great, got taken to hospital, then ended up in emergency, getting transferred to Royal North Shore and then unfortunately passed away. Um, They don't have the reasoning yet as to why. I think I saw this afternoon that he did his pre-season medical, which included, I think, an ECG or a... Uh, test of the heart and all the bits and pieces and was good to go but um, I guess it's just one of those things again like at times we yeah um, it, you don't know what to say really do you? it's just it's not what it's not horrendous. what you expect it's, it's absolutely horrendous and you know 
you don't associate, like you don't expect someone to lose their life um, under those circumstances. So more details, I guess, will come out with the coroner's report and um, if there was any underlying medical issues that weren't known or picked up. But yeah, apparently he had all these checks before the preseason kicked off and things took a turn for a worse and really escalated the other day. And unfortunately now he's uh, he's passed away. So horrible news and our, our thoughts, prayers and regards are with his family and all the players that were... Well, it's weird. Like he went in an ambulance, sort of came back to regain consciousness, yeah. and then his d- condition deteriorated again. And it's just, yeah, it's not good. It's really not good at all. No one knows what the cause is, and I think he, honestly, and again, seeing him play a couple of years ago, more particularly, I know these twelve months has obviously been written off, but with their situation this year in particular, and some of the moves that had to have been made, he would have been a real contender to get a run this year too. He would have been with a real chance mm. to get some game time. So. Um, Obviously, like we say all the time, people get injured. That football is not the be all and end all, but to be to have things go at twenty with so many years that were to come, um, yeah, you just don't really know what to say. There's, there's no words for it. Yeah. It's it's horrible. It's hard, man. It's really it's horrible. horrible. So again, thoughts and prayers to anyone at Manly or friends, family that were affected by this. It's awful news. And um, twenty years old, he had the world at his feet. So yeah. Not good at all, but that basically wraps us up for 2020. It's been a, a very interesting year, I think, Brock, is an understatement. I don't know how many shows we punched out. We got started on uh, the normal, then obviously COVID come through like a fucking wrecking ball, Miley Cyrus style. And we got thrown into a bit of a, a patch there while we were doing it over the phone while I was in COVID lockdown for two weeks, and then between my workplace and your workplace and kids and everything, we were isolated and separated. We had to come up with some content and talk some shit. Yeah. Some of it probably not the most interesting for some people, but we tried to find a way to fill the gap. And then old Lord Volandis rode in and uh, saved the day and got football back on track. And no surprise here or there that a couple of footballers made a couple of mistakes, but we kept the, the train on the tracks and we finished the season. And what a season it was. Oh, a long season. A very long, long, long season. season. But it's been good. I've enjoyed doing the... I enjoyed the stuff during COVID. It was different. Um, the week-to-week stuff's been good. So play on, man. Play on. Been another good year, and we'll be back next year. And uh, yeah, enjoy your Chrissy and New Year, and things will be a little bit different as they've been they've been different all year. So um, hopefully things are back to normal, and we've got some sort of normalcy, I guess, by the time the the footy rolls around. But uh, we can go back and watch the footy, and it just things roll back to how they used to be but fingers crossed mm. and the vaccine's looking a bit better hopefully so yeah oh, who knows with that. life hopefully gets yeah, no, a bit closer to normality it's just smart people year. than me to work that out but, but um, I want to finish off the same way I generally always do by saying thank you for everyone that listens to this show that sends us a message who comments on the page chucks an inbox I know at times they're probably not the two best on our social media um, but you know life happens work, kids, family relationships it's not a full-time job we're just two blokes who love talking football especially me I talk a fair bit of shit in general on top of all the football but people seem to enjoy it things keep growing so for that um, eternally grateful that you listen to the show support the show and we're just two blokes that love rugby league so again to anyone who's listening to this right now listened over the seven or eight years I think this is the eighth season we've been doing it and appreciates the podcast and just loves rugby league this doesn't happen without you so um, eternally grateful for you listening to the show and thank you for your continued support we absolutely love 
doing the podcast. And then secondly, and the same thing I say every year, the most important thank you I have to give is to you, Boxhead. Because when I had this need to want to talk shit about footy once I got injured and stopped playing and you kind of found her out that with coaching, which I also enjoy doing, but I love this side of it even more so. You're willing to sit here and cop an ear bash and everything away like you do in general life with me. So it's, good. Uh, it's the highlight of my week around work and all the bits and pieces that we all go through. I get to come and hang out and obviously now you're a dad as well. So my niece and nephew and we get to have a feed and we watch 360 and we have a laugh and we talk shit and obviously, again, talk footy, watch a bit of footy and just get to hang out. So I'm eternally grateful to you as well also for putting up with me and doing this podcast and hopefully it continues to grow and have success in years to come. So again, from me to you, Boxhead, thank you very much. No worries, and man. everybody out there again, it's uh, between yourself and the listeners that the fifth and last podcast started and continues to go and hopefully you stay with us for another big season in 2021. So, there you go. Enjoy your week. Last thing to finish this <laughs> off, I've got to get the last plug in for old Chrissy, the Titans fan. Chrissy! And I spoke to him today in an email, and I said to him that uh, depending on a potential game next year, he might have to catch up for a beer. I think we're going to have to go to the Gold Coast Because much like year, yourself, he's, he's a diehard Titans supporter. Things have been pretty shithouse for a while. We've done it a bit tough, Melbourne, mate. I can't complain. We've just won another comp. But yeah. you know, the Titans are on the rise. You've you, you one of our better young players. You'll wait for it. Eh? You will fucking fall. <laughs> Brock is death riding me like hoops, and the yeah. guys there just death ride. I don't death ride anyone. Yeah. But I don't. It's coming. You know I don't. The, t- the, the Titans are there. You've been saying that since 2014. Oh, this will be our last comp. I've seen Harry. They've won two since. I've seen Harry. Up. I'm starting to feel excited. Yeah. Harry, Papa Munster. Oof. But yeah, potentially. It's uh, not happening for the Patriots, though. Yeah. I reckon we'll turn around. Okay. I've got faith in Bill. I don't. I do. I think you're a dumpster fire. I've got faith. Well, Tom Brady's <laughs> not exactly doing too great with all the toys in the cot over there. No, I think you shit too. He's got a spaghetti arm. You should have retired. <laughs> just fucking let it go. That's what you get, Tommy. Yeah, at least I got there when he was still playing for the Patriots. Yeah. I got to see him win at Foxborough. So, it's all good. But last oh. one. Move me in. We've got the link up. We've talked about it a million times before. Much like Penrith Solar Centre. It's uh, one of those things. But, you know... It's just for something to look into. If you're interested in solar, get on with Penrose Solar. If you're looking to save some money on your electricity and gas bills or you haven't checked your bills ever in a long time, it's a free search. Just have a look. might save you some money in these times. Why wouldn't you do so? And if you do find a better deal and it puts some cash back in your pocket through movement, not only uh, are you saving yourself some cash and not having to talk to a fucking call centre, which is the worst thing ever, <laughs> you can even upload your bills now and they can compare it and tell you exactly how much you're going to save. So good, good. And you get a $45 Domino's voucher. I don't know if Domino's will ever recover after Brock's <laughs> tongue fucking lashing that they got the other week. Domino's certainly <laughs> won't be a sponsor anytime soon. I think soon. it was last week, so if the CEO's out there, Dom Mays, you used to be in those ads creep me out, looking a little bit like Michael McGuire. Hello, Dom. <laughs> He's not going to get on now either, nah, is he? Dom's office. Dom's oh, office well. big time, but yeah. That's okay. Get Domino's. Better. Get a New Yorker. Get the big pepperoni, the thick style, $45 wear, and uh, you can also get a couple of coffees from a local participate cafe so move me in how good save dollars on your bills and get some free pizza in your gap move me in good times yep but thank you move me in thank you Penrith Solar Jake and the crew there long term supporters of the podcast and again to finish off thank you Boxhead as always and most importantly thank you to the fans the of the show you are the reason we arc it up and spark it up on a weekly basis and it wouldn't happen without you so for the last time this year I've got to say enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Even though there is no rugby league, just just enjoy it somehow, okay? 
Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? <laughs>